Welcome to the Emblem Support Podcast. I am the upcoming pop idol, Ordo, and he is my awesome performer, Cardwiz. Build an army. Trust no one, except for us. This is the Emblem Support Podcast. And Ordo, my good friend, as your performer, I will push you to the top of the idol world. I will make sure that the entire world will know you so long as you are more covered up than you are in Japan. What do you, what do you mean covered up? Is this Is this tiny... Tiny shorts not going to cover it? Nope. And you're not going to show any cleavage at all, and you're not going to be allowed to wear any swimsuits, but that's a topic we'll get into a little bit later. We've got some games that we've been playing recently, and I know I've been putting my time into a couple of hefty RPGs, both of them that I've been waiting for for quite a long time since I heard of them. First one I've been digging into that I've got more time into is The Outer Worlds by Obsidian. Uh, tell me, Ordo, did you ever play any of the uh, Fallout games that were on 360 or Xbox One? No, nah, Fallout's never been my jam. I always heard like you know really great things about them, but I was always kind of busy with other games at the time. I personally I loved those games. I put well over 100 hours into each of them. In fact, Fallout 3, I think that was the very first midnight release I ever went to for a game. I was just so hyped for that game, and I don't even remember how how that came to be because i'd never played any of the fallout series before i think i was just enthralled by the idea of like it's oblivion with guns because we couldn't do skyrim with guns i don't think that had come out yet <laughs> yeah i mean my cousin was all about fallout 3 he actually has it uh he's he, he's offered for me to like borrow it but i'm just like no nah, got just have too much on my plate like usual so fallout 3 is a wonderful buggy mess Fallout New Vegas is a better game, but it had even more bugs. So, and as a console player, I still had to deal with those bugs. Fallout New Vegas was made by Obsidian. It wasn't made by Bethesda, but it just used Bethesda's engine. So I guess even they couldn't fix all the problems with Bethesda's buggy engines, but it was an incredible game with great characters, great dialogues, all sorts of warring factions that you could take sides with, all sorts of quirky quests. And then Bethesda did Fallout 4 on the current gen of consoles and it wasn't really fun quirky it took away all the dialogue options really you were left with basically are you going to be nice mean or make a joke those were your options and it was not as fun i think this gunplay was actually good finally but the game itself as an rpg was not fun and that's kind of the reason i play games these type of games but obsidian has made i think they've made their own engine they've created a, a basically a space fallout new vegas and it is absolutely wonderful the characters are so quirky the characters are actually good the models look good the game isn't glitched to hell i haven't had one game breaking glitch yet which is a miracle for this type of game the only problem i've had is a little bit of frame rate slowdown in some sections but overall it's been absolutely amazing good gunplay good rpg elements crazy weapons i just came across a mind control ray just how often do you get to have a mind control ray in an rpg it's wonderful i probably put about 20 hours into it i could easily see myself putting in another 40 or more i'm absolutely loving this game all my pod all my gaming podcast that i've been listening to and like talking about it like in huge chunks like like 20 or so minutes i'm just like okay maybe i mean if you if you have i believe it came on um of course, you know your normal retailers, but uh, I believe it came out on the Xbox One Game Pass, didn't it? That it did. That's how I am playing it. And 
even if you don't have Game Pass, I I'd recommend buying Game Pass because if you have an Xbox or if you have a PC that you play on, the Game Pass is absolutely worth it in my opinion. But even if I didn't have Game Pass and I still only bought games from retailers, I would still recommend buy Outer Worlds. It's one of the best games of the year. Like outside of Three Houses, it's probably my favorite game of the year. Oh, it's definitely high praise if you're putting it up against Three Houses. I absolutely mean it too. And I have <laughs> there's another game I've been playing, which another RPG, which I've been looking forward to with. I'm probably going to put 100 hours into. I've only put like five hours into it so far. But it's a part of a series I've actually talked about on this podcast in one of the earlier episodes. Finally, after years of waiting, Trails of Cold Steel 3 has come out in America. And I am so happy about it. I've talked about it before in the past. Trails of Cold Steel 1 left off with a massive cliffhanger. Trails of Cold Steel 2 had less of a cliffhanger, but still a cliffhanger. It had some closure, at least. But finally, Trails of Cold Steel 3 picks up a year later, continues the story of Reen, the main character, as he now becomes a teacher. And he's now leading students into battles and wars. And I'm sure there's going to be all sorts of geopolitical climate problems going on because it's not just the Trails of Cold Steel series. It's the Legend of Heroes series, which includes Trails of uh, the Sky Crossbell. I think there are all sorts of series of this games this series goes across and it's all interconnected, all intertwined. It's insanely one of the most complex worlds that I've ever played in a game. They built a world with its own politics, history, and everything. You can delve literally a thousand hours into the Legend of Heroes series. But I'm absolutely loving the game so far. I can't wait. I, I'll give more information on it probably once I get to like the hundred hour mark. I'm absolutely loving this game. I'm glad I have some massive RPGs to play alongside Fire Emblem. You forgot a game, though, Cardwiz. I forgot a game? What What game did I forget? Me, you, and a mutual friend of ours picked up WWE 2K19. Ah, yes. The wrestling. I do, <laughs> I do love me some wrestling. And remember, we just said 2K19, not 2K20. Because no if you've seen any Twitter or Reddit that mentions 2K20, that game looks like a broken mess that could probably run on a PlayStation 2. That's really the only game that I've actually been played. I've been, since the holidays are coming up, been real busy with work, and that's, you know, real draining. And then, um, that's, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it for me. Just been pouring hours into it, making my own wrestler, and then, you know, playing with you guys online, and then kind of messing around with some of the universe stuff. But other than that, I really haven't been into, into that much. Yeah, 2K19 has good customization features. I haven't played a WWE game in like three or four years, and three or four years ago... Like when it just came to the, the Xbox One PS4 generation, the customization really wasn't that great. And even what was there took like minutes to load, not minutes to load, but way too long to load. This one, everything loads instantly. I know exactly what's going on. I'm, I can tell what's going on in the previews. It's just the little things that make a game 2K19 does right. I'm enjoying making up my own stupid wrestling storylines in the universe mode. And you get three slots in it. So you're going to have like, oh, this is going to be my Lucha Underground universe. This is going to be my WWE universe. And this is going to be my superheroes universe or something crazy like that. It's man, that's a fun game. I was a little sad that no one's made any Fire Emblem creator wrestlers except for uh, a really weird looking Roy. <laughs> Uh, he's probably just there for Smash Brothers, for a Smash Brothers WWE universe. 
Yeah, that's probably true. I wish I was good at creating things because I, I man, I'd make Dorcas my world champion. You know that. Oh man, dude, think think about this. You could create Dorcas and Hector. You know Hector would be like into wrestling. <laughs> oh dear lord, Bartra would be running his mouth so much. Uh, Carlo would be his manager. Actually, you know what? Hilda Car- would be there. Hilda Carlo would reluctantly be the most dominant female wrestler of all time. Oh man, this is a good idea. Dang it, I wish I was better at creating character models. You know, someone like uh, someone like Claude could get injured, then come back five years later with a new look. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Dimitri get, takes place in way too many death matches before it goes wrong. Oh, no. <laughs> Dimitri versus Cactus Jack in a barbed wire C4 explosion match. That's why, that's why he <laughs> loses his eye. And, and hey, hey, WWE already has a Charlotte. Fire Emblem already has a Charlotte. How do we know they're not, they're not the same Charlotte? That's oh, true. Oh, snap. That's true. That's all for the games we've been playing recently. It's time to move on to the Fire Emblem news of the week. And we've actually had some news come out recently, just after we recorded last time, actually. Unfortunately, it feels like anytime I'm editing the episode, Ray, to like put it out, some news comes out. And it's just like, really? I hate to say it, but sometimes I think about the days when like we would go years before we heard anything about Fire Emblem. But now it's just like days and weeks. I'm like, chill, chill. That's so nice. (laughs) Let's just actually have updated news on each podcast. Something that I wasn't sure we were going to be able to do, but thank you, Nintendo. Thanks for the content. Were you looking forward to getting Tokyo Mirage Sessions uncensored? Uh, oh, I was. I was looking forward to seeing those the original Japanese models the way it was intended to be played. Not the dirty North American version, but but that's changed. We've had news come out. It turns out we all will be playing the dirty European North American version, not the pure Japanese version. Oh, I can't believe it. Instead of being able to play Gine Ibun Ruku Sharp FE Encore, we'll be playing Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE Encore. Oh, man. Why have you forsaken us, Krom? Yeah, so basically... <laughs> Uh, it came out that the Tokyo Mirage Sessions, uh, the encore version of this game, is going to be based on the Western release, which uh, had several things changed. There's actually a video on YouTube by Censored Gaming that talks about the actual changes. I was actually going to make my own list and be like, well, here's all the things that were changed. But like, I looked at this 10-minute video, I'm just like, you know what? I'll just direct them to the video. <laughs> I'll let yeah. them watch it. It's a very good video by uh, Censored Gaming. They do a lot of good work comparing uh, what gets across a lot of games that get censored and localized in America and Europe. Yeah, so, I mean, this was actually announced on the Japanese website where they had, uh, basically they have an apology here. And I picked, picked up this article from Go Nintendo, And here is the translation by BK2128 on Twitter. We hereby apologize to customers for the mistake and not for delivering enough information regarding the contents of prior notification for Gine Ibun Roku Sharp FE Encore, which that's the original name for Tokyo Mirage Sessions in Japan. Uh, for Nintendo Switch is scheduled for release on the 17th of January 2020. This title adds new features into Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE, which was released in 2016. 
The Western version of Ginei Boon Roku Sharp FE, the software for the Wii U that was released in 2015. We are proceeding with development with a worldwide common specification and aiming for a worldwide simultaneous release. You can enjoy the Japanese language in the game. However, despite that, on the promotional activities for Gine Ibun Roku Sharp FE Encore, we did not inform from the beginning that the title would be based on Tokyo Mirage Session Sharp FE. And so, on the official homepage, we have mistakenly posted screenshots from the Wii U domestic version of Gine Ibun Roku FE that wouldn't have been included in this title, so the situation caused a misunderstanding to our customers on the content of this title. So on the 10th of October 2019, we performed replacements of the game screenshots on the homepage. And on the 17th, we posted that the title would be based on Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE, but we acknowledged that we did not deliver enough information to our customers from the beginning. Concerning this, all customers who have purchased slash pre-ordered through the Nintendo eShop or my Nintendo store and want to request a cancellation caused by the manner will provide procedures in this page at a later date. And after this news broke, the Wii U Japanese version of Tokyo Mirage Sessions and the special edition jumped to number one in three spots on the Japanese uh, Wii U Amazon page after basically not being ranked forever. And you know what? That's how you do it. That's how you vote with your wallet. You show Atlas and Nintendo that you're not going to give them your money by giving uh, them your money. Makes sense to me. Basically, to go over some of the censorship things that are going on or why it's happening, when Tokyo Mirage Sessions was originally localized to North America and Europe, someone, someone in some higher power, we don't know who exactly, we don't know if it was Nintendo America or atlas or anyone we don't know exactly who decided that we need to they needed to censor some things including covering up some cleavage on some of the teenage girls aging up some of the main characters from 16 to 17 and 17 to 18 and the one i have the biggest gripe with is they basically changed an entire chapter of the campaign to go into that the point of the chapter of the campaign is all of the idols including the main character subasa uh are like cutesy anime idols and their boss is was a former idol but she was more of a sensual sexual idol not porn but gravure yeah more sexy than cute yes that's the right word gravure and the entire point of the chapter is Subasa has to become more comfortable with her body, I guess. And at the end of the chapter, she reveals she changes her outfit to a bikini and is ready to expand her idol experience. But in the North American and European version, she just sort of changed into punk street clothes. And it kind of it just didn't fit the entire point of that entire story arc is it was that was a bad case of censorship because it just changed an entire section and made it even more nonsensical than it was. Here's the funny part. So, I don't know if you ever got this far in the game, but later on, you get an attack um, based on that. Or, not based on that, but it's an attack based on a soda commercial that uh, Subasa ends up being in, in which she's in the bikini. So, for this session attack, well, they're called they're called session attacks, like special attacks. Or it's, it's been a while since I played. Anyways, but in this attack, she's in the bikini. Full view, just like okay, if you're going to censor, at least be consistent. Yeah, there's still bikinis kind of in the game. They they didn't give us the Hot Springs DLC, but there 
are there's still some cleavage in the game. There's still some swimsuits in the game. It's just like you didn't censor everything, so it's kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, like did this. I mean, like even Subasa's like regular costume that she transforms into when she uh, when she combines with um, crap. It's, it's not combining. She. Uh, it's been a long time since we played this game. <laughs> whenever Subasa enters battle. And uh, Sita, she transforms into a lance, and Subasa grabs the lance, and then like she gets a special, she gets a costume. It's the same thing with all the all your playable characters in the game, and it's just like she's wearing a low cut top, and it's just like they're out there. You can see them. I'm just like, okay, so why do we censor this? But we censored the other thing. Yeah, Nintendo America or whoever made that decision. Just, I I don't know what they were thinking with this process because it's not as we said it's not a well censored game even if you're going to go so far as to censor it yeah i mean my my issue with it is not not oh my god i can't see my titties no it's it's like you know just be consistent with it you know what i mean mm-hmm. uh, i'm not i'm not a big fan of censorship but but i'm i just play devil's advocate if you're going to do it do it all the way don't half-ass censorship like you kind of did yeah the thing that does kind of like kind of blow my mind is like you think about like where fire emblem has gone especially with like heroes and how like you know some of the male and female characters like some of the special characters in that are dressed or not dressed and it's just like where is all this coming from some censorships some censorships aren't really censorships in my mind like they're more localization some people mistake some localization for censorship watch I'm on an anime binge right now. I've been watching Yu Yu Hakusho. I'm watching the original DVDs. And for some reason, my DVD player is bugged, so it always has the subtitles on. But all the subtitles are the original dubs. So the voice that the voice actors are doing, that the voice actors were directed to say, aren't always matching the lines. But that's not censorship. That's not uh, subs being better than dubs. It's localizers deciding this will make more sense to this audience. And that's not censorship. I don't necessarily, that's not, I'm not saying that's necessarily the case in this case. I do think like, oh, you're covering up cleavage. You're making people not wear bikinis and entirely taking away the main point of this chapter. That is a form of censorship that I'm not the biggest fan of. It doesn't make sense. Something that does actually, and I just, I just thought about this. I don't have this like written down anywhere, but I remember like Sarah uh, which is C-E-R-O, the Japanese games rating board, they've actually been, like, really, really, like, tight on things for the past few years. Because I remember Sakurai basically coming out, mentioning having to change, like, a little bit of, like, Palutena's, like, to make sure, like, she it looked like she was less wearing, like, panties and more like a spats or something like that. Really? He talk, yeah, he talks about it, uh, and I think it's either a Nintendo Dream or a Famitsu article a few years ago. And so I wonder if it has anything to, to do with, like, you know, the Japanese rating games rating board being a little bit more heavy-handed now with things. It could be that. I, w- I would probably associate it more with kind of laziness. I think Nintendo just wants to put out one version of the game. They don't want to have to redo everything just to meet different standards in different countries. They're just going to release one version of the game, and the safest version of that game is the North American version. Yeah, that's possible. So sorry, Japan, you you get it. You get the North American version, too, because we don't want to make an entirely uncensored, uncut version just for you. Yeah, that's true, too. And, I mean, like, the thing was, like, this game didn't sell well in the first place. I mean, it was like, well, 
at the time, I believe it was like 88,000 copies in Wii U for Japan. I think, I think it sold better over here than it did there, which is weird because of the whole idol phenomenon over there in Japan at the time. The thing is, is like this game needs basically all of the boost that it can get because Fire Emblem's bigger than it was back in 2015. And so hearing, oh, here's this new kind of like Persona-esque, Fire Emblem-esque thing, and it's, it got people excited for it again. It got me excited for it again. And to have something like this come out, and now people are just like, well, I'm going to buy it, or I'm going to look at it. And so I kind of feel like, you know, is this, you know, Tokyo Mirage Sessions getting sunk for a second time? I don't think it's going to sink it. I think it's only going to hurt a small percentage of what they could have sold. But I think it's still going to be a success because the Switch is a money-printing machine for Nintendo with their first-party titles. And I I do think it's a really good game. I think it has an excellent battle system. It has fun characters. I do have problems with it, but I think we'll be getting more into that when the actual game comes out. We will probably be doing a full Tokyo Mirage Sessions review breakdown with complaints and likes and everything. Yeah, so you're going to be down to getting it? Hasn't changed your opinion at all? Not one bit. It's After this whole censorship debacle, I mean, I just, I don't know. Yes, I'm buying it. Yeah, we're, we're giving in to the man. It's time for our nice little support conversation piece. And seeing as my favorite game in the series, at least I think it's still my favorite. I'm not sure if Three Houses is going to beat it yet. My favorite game in the series, The Sacred Stones, just turned 15. We've decided to do a support from it featuring Lara Shell and Ephraim. Cardwells, which role do you want? Oh, gee. I get to play the girl again. Yeah. Put on the wig. It's already on. You know yeah. that. Yeah. Put on the lipstick. Anyways, <clears throat> I'll, let you, <laughs> I'll let you start off. Oh, Ephraim, why are you here? Do you not have somewhere to be? I'm sorry? What do you mean? Why don't you go fight someone or break down a wall or something? We all have our roles to play in this battle. I'm waiting for the right moment. Are you speaking honestly with me? Are you not simply making an excuse so that you have time to chat with me? There's no glory in dragging out a war without good reason. It does me good to hear that. If you or any of your good men are injured, come to me at once. I'll wait for you here and I'll heal your wounds swiftly. Yes, well, that's why you're here, isn't it? We're counting on you. We fight with confidence only because we have your healing skills. Naturally. And today, I will serve you as well as I can. As always, watch for me. She seems so reliable and so assertive. Are women of Ralston all like that? So the sea support, it's its very much its very much your typical Lara Shell conversation where she comes in and she's very flowery and very proud. You know what I mean? And Ephraim is very serious and very uh, battle-focused. We get the two characters being themselves, interacting with each other. Basic C support gets the job done. On to the B. Ephraim, wait a minute. Yeah? I've heard such interesting things about you from so many people. I thought it best to ask directly. You are a reckless man, are you not? It seems an attitude unbefitting a commander, wouldn't you say? Don't speak to me that way. If I can save a life by taking a risk, I'll do it. This is war, and war is risky. I have no problem with that. Oh dear, I'll bet your body is just covered with scars under that armor, isn't it? I can heal them all for you. Let me see them. Thanks. Let's see. Oh! Oh, oh, oh my! What are you doing? I have to take off my armor if I'm going to show you the scar on my shoulder. Cat! Beast! Perfect! Devil! 
I simply will not allow you to take advantage of me in my confused state. Confu- Wait, Lara Shell, what about my scars? <laughs> uh, you see, he should have listened to Nintendo America or whoever. He just should have covered himself up. He should have kept himself covered up. You see, well, when when Ephraim took off sacred his... stones. Censor sacred stones. No. Censor sacred stones. No. When Ephraim <laughs> took off his armor, there should have been a weird black mist around him, so you couldn't have been able to see anything. <laughs> but then when you go into gameplay, you perfectly see it fine. Yeah, no problem whatsoever. Still there in the cutscenes. Very cute. The characters, again, being themselves, but we we have just a, just a silly, cute moment of like, oh, I'm revealing my shoulder to you, and LaRochelle just freaking out, being a very proper lady, thing. how dare this cat do this? It's just silly. It's fun. And the funny part is, is like, with LaRochelle's attire, her shoulders are exposed. <laughs> unless unless you like I think I think when you upgrade her to like whatever her next class is then that changes her clothes but her default like actual art in Sacred Stones has her with like a strap and like part of her shoulders exposed the two have a cute interaction and we move on to the A support dot 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 Lara Shell you don't have to be so defensive why don't you come talk to me dot 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 that depends are you going to try to attack me again are you you won't go Ripping the armor from your well-toned body, will you? Lara Shell, that was just a simple misunderstanding, but I apologize if I offended your sensibilities in removing my armor. Well, I suppose I can forgive you for this one indiscretion. I wasn't prepared. I've never seen a, a man's naked body before. Naked? I was only showing you the scar on my shoulder like you asked. A naked shoulder is a big deal. I was so shocked. Why, I could hardly sleep at all last night. Uh, what's wrong, Laura Shell? You seem different somehow. No, no, everything's fine. Oh, please don't look at me in such a vulgar, leering way. I find it very inappropriate. Oh, I'm sorry. I had no idea. I would certainly never... What? Are you saying that you do not find me attractive? No, I... What do you want me to say? How can you be so calm at a time like this? Don't you see what you've done? Ugh, I'm just so frustrated. Don't you ever forget this, Ephraim. I hope that someday some girl comes along and gets you all rattled, too. I just do not get her. She is rather cute, though. <laughs> I like that. I really love the dialogue to this one, because, like, I can just, with this dialogue, I can picture the, like, an anime scene happening. Just like... It is just the, the typical uh, of oh, the girls fluster around the guy. She gets, so she gets mad at him, and it's like it, it's an old classic trope anime scene. But dang it, it's cute with these two. And I, I believe they do have an ending together as well. Yes, I believe these they do, and there's they are the head royalty of their kingdom, and you have Ephraim being the warrior on the front lines, trying to save everyone. Larachel trying to heal and help everyone from the back, but. They get into the awkward sitcom-y situation, and dang it, it makes me smile. It's just, I mean, most most of the support of Sacred Stones are, are really good. This was no, this was no exception. This was a lot of fun to read through. Man, that makes me want to play Sacred Stones again. Uh, how would you rate this support conversation? Knowing me, I have a huge Sacred Stone bias, 
So with that said, I would probably give it a five out of five. Uh, I again, I like I like all the royals here. Um, and, and in my mind, like you said, you could see it. And when she's going cad beast pervert, I can see her just whacking him with with her staff. Lorachal acting over the top. Ephraim playing the straight man, and that he they both fill out their role very well. In Fire Emblem Heroes, Lord help us if Lara Shell and Owain meet and have a conversation. <laughs> oh my goodness. But I think that'll conclude our little chit-chat on support. And now, back to the Blue Lions. On to Chapter 7. Part 1. White Clouds. Wyvern Moon, Field of the Eagle and Lion. My first note reads on here, as we're carrying on from our previous notes, that Flane had a bad time, so fishing tournament. Woohoo! Uh, we get 50 pieces of bait, and we got to catch all the fish that we want to. We get to click that button and get the excellence as that circle shrinks down, and... And we fish. That's basically what we do for the first part of this. We fish, and we can actually get some stuff. If you talk to everyone around the fishing area, everyone's in on the contest. But if you just get, like, a couple of, like, if you get a four-star or a five-star fish, just talk to everyone, and you automatically get some free stuff. You can get some axes, some elixirs, all, all sorts of goodies. And then when you show them the fish they caught, make them feel like fools for even trying to, trying to you know, go against me. I'm Byleth. I'm your teacher. Mm-hmm. By let the fishing goddess or god. Mine's a goddess. Yours is a god. But I mean, that's not a. Uh, well, the one thing that they do. Uh, not everyone's down with the fishing tournament, though. Um, I think some characters like Felix are like, okay, we have the battle of the eagle and lion coming up. Why the heck are we fishing? Because fishing is the most important thing because Flane says so. And we just want to make Flane happy. Poor little Flane. But that's not all that's going on at the monastery. If we go to the. If we do all the quests in the monastery, we also find out we have another minor battle that we have to do and we get to deliver a special letter to Alois. someone wants us to deliver a love letter to Alois, even though he is married and has a child way to go student you little homewrecker you wait is a student i was it wasn't it a random student i don't remember i don't think i ever did the quest it, it might it was either a student or someone in the merchant area. It's I, I forget who it was, but it's just like you're making me deliver a love letter to someone who shouldn't be getting love letters. But it's for quest points, so sure, I'll do that. I think Alois looks greasy. I don't see how he's married in the first place. Anyways. Yeah, he's happily married with a child. Ugh. I know, how dare he have a happy life. Also going on at the monastery, we walk around, we can meet our new friend Monica, who just joined up with the Black Eagle's house, where she was when she, after she before she'd been kidnapped last year. It seems that Monica is friends with Edelgard, and she plans on going to the library to, I guess, do research or something. Probably wants to hang out with Tomas or something. She probably missed that old guy. Yeah, there is something interesting here with this dialogue. When you first talk to her, she's like... <clears throat> she, it's something along the lines of like, all right, Edelgard, and then we'll meet at the library. Oh, hey, Professor. Completely changed the tone of her voice. Yeah, if, if we talk to a couple of other people around the monastery, we can find that apparently Monica's personality has just completely changed from what she acted like a year ago. Huh. 
I believe it's Hilda that mentions that. I didn't write down who says that. Some of, and I think some people will say, oh, well, she's changed, but, you know, it's probably just a coping mechanism since she's been missing for a year. But really, this month, there's not much going on at the monastery outside of the all-important fishing. So it's time to spend our time in battle. It's time to do some paralogues. Okay. Who, what, what paralogues you got for me? Uh, this month I did, I started off with Sylvain's paralogue. I believe I mentioned last time that I had already done the, I kept the Spear of Ruin after chapter five, but we still get the opportunity to do the quest. Sylvain uh, trash talks his brother a little bit, and we have to go beat up some thieves and cut off all of their escapes. Sylvain does strike me as the type of person who would speak ill of the dead. To be fair, his brother was a bit of a jerk and did try to kill him. McClellan did nothing wrong. It was the system that did everything wrong. Are you saying the crests are to blame? They are. Black Eagles for life. Anyways. <laughs> uh, anyway, we beat up some thieves, cut off escapes. Nothing major here. Just your party is split up, and you have to split up into like four different sections in order to cut up all the different parts of the map. But luckily at this point, I've got all my people at a high enough level that this was no problem for me. Did you do, end up doing this paralogue? Yeah, I did do this paralogue. Um... Mine was a similar deal. I, I mean, I've got a few people on horses now, so you know, you know, cu- cutting people off was actually pretty easy for me. And at the end of this uh, level, I ended up getting the Lands of Ruin. You could have had it before, although I never used it at all. So it's basically the same thing. Sh- shut up! I did it the cool way. And for our next paralogue, and during this chapter, I did the Ingrid and Dorothea paralogue. Ooh. Yes, it turns out Ingrid. Uh, Ingrid's father has said that a very rich merchant is proposing marriage for Ingrid and his father and her father wants him. Dear Lord, my mouth. Ingrid's father has received a proposal from a rich merchant so that he can marry Ingrid. And Ingrid's father sent Ingrid the letter saying this and Dorothea overhears this. Dorothea apparently knows who this merchant is and said that his fortune is soaked in blood. So we have to go investigate in a volcano land? Yeah. What? Uh, Okay. That's where I do all my investigating. Sure. Turns out this guy's a jerk and sends a bunch of people to kill us. And we have to get Ingrid to the other side of the map. Or we could kill everyone. I chose the kill everyone option. I also chose to kill everyone. Yay, kill everyone. Kill every last one. Well, wait, no, wait. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. We're the Blue Lions. We'd never say that. No, we never would. Clear everyone. There are a bunch of ambush points all over the map, but luckily with well-placed and leveled up units, it's not a problem. And at the end, we get something that I've never gotten before because I've never actually had Ingrid recruited doing this paralogue. I've always had Dorothea when I've done it. When you have Dorothea, we end up getting a special ring. But if you have... Uh, Ingrid in your party, you get Lewin, uh, her relic lance. Not to be confused with Lewin from Genealogy of the Holy War. It also ends a little bit differently too, because you get the lance. Like um, Ingrid says something like, "Oh, like because they're they're exchanging some flirty dialogue," and I think Dorothea says something along the lines of, um, "You know, I wouldn't, you know, hand my Ingrid over to you know to some jerk like that." And then Ingrid responds with, oh, so I belong to you now? And then it kind of ends with Dorothea chuckling. But in the one where you get the ring, and I think 
I think you get the ring ending if either you have Dorothea recruited or if you're with the Black Eagles. And they have a little more, like, kind of going on to, oh, you know, maybe we could just marry each other instead. But then they only have a B support, so... It, it it does it does it does make sense uh character wise but you have to learn more about ingrid and like the status of her house because that's what's riding on whoever she marries yes the more the more supports i'm getting with her i'm learning more about her family and uh, man i love these characters so much like there are only like three characters i don't really know the backstory of yet because i haven't recruited them but oh man they're so interesting love this game but sadly we, i've run out of weeks to do paralog battles and it's time for the battle of the eagle and the lion you all should know I am not about to go easy on you today. As long as we can pull off the win, doesn't matter how. Our victory must be absolute, no matter what it may take. It is time. It's the big mock battle where, thankfully, your units can die in this map, and you still get to keep them. Because you got all of your units to the north, you got all of the Black Eagles to the bottom left part of the map, and you have the Golden Deer at the bottom right part of the map, and they are kind of strong. The student units are actually, for the first time, you really have multiple units you have to actually think about how to deal with, rather than just completely plow through them it's nice to get a little bit of a challenge but thankfully if you prepare well enough and if you take and defend that ballista with this at the center with ash destroying everything with the ballista you shouldn't have too many problems uh lorenz went up there took care of my dudes and then i had ash up there but i still i still almost had a little bit of trouble this map because of um who is it uh petra and her freaking criticals <laughs> I was like, thank God you can't, I can't actually lose anyone on this map because she was a beast. There are quite a few nasty units. Edelgard was especially nasty. At the end of the day, the Blue Lions prevailed. They proved they're the best house. And Edelgard, Claude, and Dimitri are all going to get long and live happily ever after. There is a neat little line here where uh, it's it's if... It's if Dimitri encounters Edelgard on the battlefield, and she's like, you know, if the Empire and the Kingdom went to war, we could fight nonstop. But that wouldn't happen, right? Nah. They would never fight Silly. each other. They're two good friends. Yeah. After this battle, though, we we go back and everyone's like, oh, let's have this, let's have a nice feast. And, you know, Claude's pretty, uh, pretty on board with that. And so after having a feast with the other houses, we meet with a very happy Dimitri. He speaks about how unnerved he was with us because of our lack of emotions. But over the half year, though, he feels that he's seen the glow of humanity in ourselves and our actions. And I do have a small little asterisk here that says, like, in, in like, all these little cutscenes that are happening, it does 
appear that Byleth like actually smiles more. It does feel like we are very slowly and very subtly developing as a character, or maybe that's something we're reading into it. But I really do feel like the character it does smile a little bit more when Demetrius saying that we act like we don't have humanity. But I I also wrote that note down. He's seen the glow. Yeah, but I will say that it's a little bit easier to see on the female because I think I think female Byleth has her face is like a different shape and she has more expressive eyes and like I won't say her mouth is just like maybe a little bit longer if that makes sense I don't know about the mouth part but everything else I definitely agree with so after we're having our secret congratulatory conversation the blue lot the rest of the blue lions including Annette join us and we uh (laughs) we have a nice little heartwarming scene but things cannot be happy forever as we've discovered that something is going on in Ramire Village. Chapter 8, Part 1, White Clouds, Red Wolf Moon, The Flame in the Darkness. The city of Ramire has been infected by some dark magic virus of some sort, but we don't want this to happen. We owe that city. Our dad tells us how much we owe that city because that's around where we sort of grew up, I guess. I don't know, he just says that, Geralt basically just says, oh, you know, that city was good to us, or that village, sorry, that village was good to us. Yeah, this this could have been another case where, like, hey, you could have told us just a little bit of our background, it wouldn't have ruined the mystery if you just told us a little bit more about why we should care about Remeyer, but whatever, minor complaint. Yeah. But as we're all getting reminiscent and everything, we get dizzy. We have a heart attack, basically. Yep, and Sothis feels it too. We run into this guy named Lord Arendale. He will be staying at the Academy for a little while. And we learn... Oh. Yeah, we'll have to back up just a little bit on that, on Lord Arendale. Please. So, the Lord Arendale... Actually, you know what? You were on point, my bad. I'm sorry. Yes. We learn from Dimitri that Arendale is actually his and Edelgard's uncle. Wait, his and Edelgard's? What? Yeah, and this is the same mysterious guy that we saw meeting with the Flame Emperor earlier, as well as the same person mentioned that haven't that hasn't given donations to the church in like several years. Something's fishy's going on around here. But wait, wait, wait up! Edelgard and Dimitri are related. Can I not ship them anymore? <laughs> well, Cardwells, I can't go back and edit that episode that we already put out. <laughs> It turns out that Dimitri's stepmother and Edelgard's mom are the same person? Ah, anyway, family issues aside, it's time for the quests of the month. Quest of the month. Uh, We have to do another one of those really easy fake battles for Felix. And we get a student sending a love letter to Rhea. Not weird at all. And it wasn't Cyril. Apparently there's a missing student according to Seth, we have to find some information on her. And we have a giant fetch quest. A giant chain fetch quest. Thanks to Shamir and Catherine, where we can either get a silver bow or a silver sword, but it involves just running around the campus and talking to people and changing things for other things until we get the things they want. This person wants this thing, and this person wants that thing. But they do do mark it on the map, so it's easy. But... Wait, Seth, you gave us a quest about missing students. Shouldn't we be doing? Shouldn't that be the mission of the month? But uh, okay, we don't really go into that. Nah. Seems like it could be important. 
possibly in the next chapter. We could really use that information. Ah, well, we're not getting into it. Thank, thanks, Seth. Yeah, I actually uh, had a actually I had a paralogue that I did for this month, and it was for Lorenz. Ooh, I d- I have not recruited Lorenz, so please tell me about this paralogue. Well, as you know, the alliance is made up of actually several noble houses that all act as basically one unit, and so there was just a rift among them, and this one dude named Archeron or Archeron, I can't remember what his name is, is just like. I'm going to seize power. And, uh, basically... Him and his mustache. Yeah, so basically we just kind of take him out, and he's just like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'll never do it again. And I believe that we can trust Archeron. But what is interesting is that Lorenz, like, on the... On, like, basically the post-battle, he's like, you know, I'm going to report this to my father. And he's like, you know, whenever I become Howd Lord Gloucester, I had plans to eliminate him anyway. So I'm just like... Lorenz, <laughs> Lorenz. He's got a he's got a heart he's got a cold streak going on for him. Oh my god, get it. <laughs> Pre battle though, there is something interesting, and this is a nice touch that they did for the game. And he says, uh, "I don't have it wrote down, but I remembered it." And he says something along the lines of, "Even though I've left the Golden Deer House behind, one day I'll still be leader of the Alliance." And the fact that like they put the they put the fact that you know he mentioned that, you know, he was no longer of the Golden Deer House. It was just a light, nice little touch. Good job, game people. Uh, but before I go into all the paralogs I did this month, because I did, again, way too many paralogs, just because I need to get them all out of the way, I had a conversation with Sylvain, or as my autocorrect says, Sylvia. Sylvia <laughs> tells me that 20 years ago, a plague swept the kingdom, but it was cured by some Lady Cordelia. I'm sure this won't have any meaning whatsoever in the future. I actually don't know if it'll have meaning in the future. I haven't played this playthrough, so I haven't played Golden Deer or Blue Lions. Ah, my brain. And it's—I uh, uh, think it's Cornelia, not Cordelia. Well, that's what my auto my autocorrect says, Cordelia. But even more important than all of this that's going on, more important than missing students, more unfortunate, more powerful than students sending love letters to Rita, more important than chain quests for silver bows. I am proud to announce that Shamir, Catherine, and Marianne have been drafted by the Blue Lions volleyball team. Woo! Yes. Although Shamir and Catherine can't wear the volleyball outfit, so I'm disappointed by that. You should always recruit Shamir. I actually told myself, I'm like, you know what, this playthrough, I'm not going to recruit Shamir. But then I'm just like looking at the the months and the chapters, I'm like, okay... We're at chapter nine now. <laughs> oh god, I got a recruiter. Yeah. I got a recruiter. I've I recruited Shamir, but I'm I am going out of my way. I'm not giving her a bow. Oh, that that's not going to help you. Yeah, I I'm basically I'm making her my plan right now. I'm going to make her my mortal savant. She, oh, she's got ease and swords and dark magic, but dang it, I'm going to try to make it work. Uh, I'm going to try to make Marianne my swordmaster, and I'm going to make Catherine my third Pegasus Knight since I lost Annette, so she can't be my third Pegasus Knight anymore. I was about to say just use give her a sword to Lysithia, but we're uh, Blue Lions, so yeah, I could recruit recruit Lysithia. I'll I might work on that. I've still got some time. Uh, but on to the paralogs for the month. Too many paralogs. Going to try to rush through them quickly. The big one, we have it. Well, not big one. We have a Sothis paralogue. Oh, yeah, you did this one. Okay. I, I've done it, but I forgot to write it down. 
Sothis wants to go to Xanado, or as my autocorrect says, Xanadine. Autocorrect, what are you doing to me here? I have a hard, hard enough time taking notes, and you're screwing me up. Uh, but th- this is an interesting paralogue. It's just not the usual, like, okay, we're all grouped together, or we're split into two sections. It's We've got ourselves just our byleth at the in one the north spot it's the same map where uh it's the xanado map so it's the map where you first take the students out to go kill bandits you're in the boss square and your students are to the south and monsters surround you fortunately i've got a pegasus knight so i wasn't surrounded for long i was surrounded because i am not on a horse actually you know what i am on a horse <laughs> no, no no i'm on a horse actually i was thinking about not it when flying one of the horse, though. yeah it doesn't need to fly so I was able to re- re- reunite with my party pretty quickly. So pretty much united with everyone. I had Ash go unlock a chest to get a knowledge gem. And pretty much destroyed a bunch of monsters. Thankfully, I know how to destroy monsters now quite easily. So I didn't have any problems. Although one thing I did notice that I never noticed before. Because I I had Flane on the field. And she was had her trying to do damage and try to level up. She had a unique quote quote with the boss, with the boss monster. Yeah, I found that too. I was like, oh. Yes. That, let's put an end to the suffering. I think that is the most honorable thing we can do at this point. So that, the suffering. So, Flane, what do you what do you know about these monsters? You weren't you weren't with us on the mission when we, when uh, McLean Miklon turned into a monster. What 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 do you know about all this monster stuff? She won't tell us, despite how many times we fished for her. I also did the paralogue for Shamir and Aloise, even though I haven't recruited Aloise yet. We get to fight a bunch of pirates. Yeah, nothing nothing too special about that one. And we actually get to go to the Eastern Church, which is kind of neat, because first time we, we actually get to interact over there. No, it, it's another simple map. Pirates spawn on ships to the, to the east, split your units to the south and to the west, take care of them, no problem prevent them from flying into the city, but I never even had them once try to fly into the city, so I never had that problem. Even though, like, apparently you fail if they're in the in the city for five turns. They never even tried to on my file. Maybe, maybe that's a map that is really tricky on harder modes, but it is. We're, we're playing normal, so that's nothing. Yeah, it is in hard mode. And finally, in this chapter, I did the Felix Paralogue. Do, uh, I need to go through these paralogues past there are too many of them. Uh, Rodrigue has called Felix to deal with some bandits, save some people. Felix calls his dad pathetic for letting it get this bag. And Rodrigue, or as my autocorrect just said, Rodriguez, Rodriguez says the king would uh, be despaired by this. And Felix replies saying that the dead can't feel despair. All right. Felix is very cutting towards Rodrigue in this. Yeah, they've got a not very happy relationship. Look, from past supports or past conversations, we know that Rodrigue has a really close relationship to Dimitri, and we know that Felix and Dimitri don't get along, so maybe that's just the base of everything, or is there something more? I don't know. Anyway, I save everyone in this map, and we get an Aegis seal for it. At the very end of this map, um, Rodrigue's like, you know, his majesty, you know, his hate. He, he says something about how the king would hate to see how the land has become, and something like... I can't. I wish I could remember all the dialogue, but Felix says something along the lines of, "You know, you would probably just say the same thing when Glenn died. He died as a true knight, and then just walks off." And it's just like, "Oh, okay." Yep. 
so once again, we hearing conversations about this person named Glenn, who I'm guessing is either knows knows Felix somehow, was, was really close to Felix at one point. We know he was apparently close to Ingrid. Uh, there's a mystery there, and I wonder if it'll be covered only in supports or if it co- gets covered through the story. This gives me hope that it's covered through the story. But finally through with paralogues for Chapter 8. It's time to move on to the actual battle. The vill- When we get to Ramir, the villagers are killing each other. It's time to kill the villagers to prevent them from killing villagers. Or we're, we're, we're just knocking them out, I think, maybe. I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite clear on what we're doing there. Yeah, Demetri himself has been acting pretty odd. Uh, Dedu sees suspicious figures watching the chaos, and Demetri responds with, Kill them all. Don't let a single one of them escape. Sever their limbs, and crush their wicked skulls! Take a chill pill, buddy. Yeah, he's he's struggling really bad in this. It's just like, oh, okay. Okay, uh, Demetri, we're, we're cool. Uh, it's time to save the rem- Meyer Calamity from going too wrong and what who's that to the is, is that some the librarian at the south why is he here oh no did he get kidnapped or something yeah turns out by the time we get to turn three tomas reveals that he's been stolen the whole time bad guy who was, was after flayne's blood so he could do blood experiments Whee! yes he becomes more of a have a typical fire emblem villain design his head's uh, weird he has a weird head. I'm okay with that. And he has a weird head, weird eye, weird veins. Yeah, I was about to say, look like his eyes for some reason just like taped open like clockwork orange. <laughs> uh, oh, and at the same time Salon reveals himself, the Death Knight shows up. So you can get yourself another Death Seal, Dark Seal. I did. I beat him. I did too. Caspar punched I, him. I had to work around to get to him it took me a couple of extra turns to get to him but what actually had to happen was that like all my green units including Geralt were getting so close to going after Solon I had to put up a blockade in front of uh, Solon to prevent them from getting to him including uh, putting Sylvain within Solon's attack pattern but luckily the only way Sylvain dies is if he gets hit by like a 4% crit and that's not gonna happen is it? Ah, man, you're good. Don't worry about it. (laughs) I'm sorry, Sylvain. Yes. I'm uh, I'm sorry, Sylvia. I did this to you. Yeah, I I got hit with a crit, and I have lost my second unit. I've lost Sylvain. All because I tried to uh, stretch out the map for one more turn so I can get the Death Knight, so I can get his Dark Seal. And because I got that Dark Seal, I lost the person I gave my first Dark Seal to, my Sylvain, my Dark Mage. (laughs) <laughs> he's dead and he's never coming back yeah although he's still wandering around the monastery in the next chapter he just i talked about this last week and it still ticks me off now i'm going to say it again if you lose a student in the first half of the game they should just come. To, you should get a cutscene of them being so freaking angry with you, being so disappointed. How could you? You're the one who let me get hurt. I. How could you do this to me, Professor? I trusted you. I believed in you. I'm going to transfer over to the Black Eagle House. I'm going to transfer to the Golden Deer House. That is how that should go down. That would mean so much more. It would make the deaths feel even more impactful if that happened. But it doesn't happen. Sylvain goes down. There's just empty cutscenes in the blue line cut in the blue line 
group scenes. He's still at the monastery. Just it's just not addressed, and uh, it's minor, minor complaint. But man, if they did that, it'd be a better. It'd be so much better. After this battle, though, the Flame Emperor bef- uh, appears before us. They claim while while they work with Sol and their objectives are different. Had 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 the Flame Emperor known that Solon was going to do this to the people of Ramara Village, they would have stopped him. And the, and the Flame Emperor actually wants us to join their side, but naturally refuse. Didu shows up and is like, hey, have you seen Dimitri? And then the Flame Emperor kind of warps away. It, this is disappointing because Flame Emperor gives you a choice, but it's one of those false choices. It, this feels like this could be like a significant choice in the game, but it's not at all. You can say you join his cause, yay or nay, but neither of them matter. If you say, yes, I'll join you, he'll say like, oh, I can see your, in your eyes you're lying or something like that. And I'm thinking, no, Flame Emperor, I want to join you. It's it's dumb. But we we have a nice, wholesome conversation afterwards with Geralt where he says that we seem happy teaching. And he's glad that we came to the monastery after all. Dimitri apologizes for going all emo and wanting to kill everyone and rip apart everything. We find out more about Dimitri's past. It turns out his father, one of his dying things he said was to kill those who killed them, to destroy them all. We know that from Dimitri's point of view, his father, stepmother had perished in the flames. But uh, we learned a little bit later that uh, King Lambert was actually beheaded. Dimitri tells us that he came to this academy for revenge. We find out through talking with Rhea that we find out a little bit more about Tomas. About eight years ago, he went to House Ordelia, which I believe is Lysanthia's house, correct? Went to House Ordelia eight years ago, and then he returned. And a little bit later, we find out Jaritza became a professor after an imperial recommendation. And that would be the Adrestian Empire. That's just one of those things I was just sort of thrown out there. And we end Chapter 8 by Rhea telling us the name of the goddess, Sothis. Sothis freaks out uh, hearing this, not understanding who or what she actually is. And with that, we move on to Chapter 9, Part 1. White clouds, ethereal moon, the cause of sorrow. It's dancing time! Oh yes, our mission this month is to dance the night away. And oh. we, we, we've got a guard of chapel or something with Gerald, but who cares? It's it's time to dance. We got the white heron dance thing. Yeah. So who'd you make your who'd you decide to make your dancer? After careful consideration, I decided to stick with my guns and go with the person who was getting the most level screwed as and turn them into a useful unit. So Dudu became my dancer. He he's it's not even close. He's been my worst unit, and so I had to make him a dancer. Even though by giving him the dancer ability it kind of negates the one thing he's good at of making him stand still and take damage. But hey, I I said I was going to do what I was going to do, and I did it. If there's ever a time for to do to be a dancer, it's going to be in this playthrough for me. I I ended up with Ingrid as the dancer. I was like, you know, why not? No one else really like fits the the dancer mold. It was just like, and and if I decide I don't want to make her a dancer later, I can make her a Pegasus Knight, and she'll still keep um, she'll still keep that sort of void skill, which is pretty nice because she also has alert stance. So I think when you hit weight, it's like plus 10 and i think uh the sword of void is plus 20 so she has like it's either 30 or 35 
base avoid plus whatever else she gets based on her stats. It's cool, really nice when you can have an avoid tank as the dancer. And that those skills really help towards that. But as we move on with this month, there are other quests to do. We have to get a wood carving for Gilbert, which we steal from, I think, Petra's bedroom? What? <laughs> that, that was a weird quest. That was a dumb quest. Uh, I'm sure that I hope those DLC quests we eventually get aren't as lame as that. Uh, I I am proud to announce that the Blue Lions in Chapter 9 have drafted even more powerhouses to our team. We have drafted Manuela, Hanneman, and Leone to join the Blue Lions volleyball squad. Leone's going to be the only one to wear the uniform because Hanneman and Manuel are lamos. Would you really mess with Hanneman's monocle? Yes, I would. You are a monster. You can't play volleyball in a suit. Trust me, I've tried. But since I have recruited uh, Manuela and Hanneman, it's time for their paralogue. A really annoying paralogue if you don't have flying units. Luckily, I'm training three Pegasus knights. I've actually decided not to recruit Manuel and Hanneman this time. No, just so you don't have to do this annoying paralogue? No, well, I've recruited different like professors on each playthrough, but I was just like, well, I really like Manuela and Hanneman, but I want to make each one of my playthroughs like different or unique, so I'm just like, I'm not going to recruit him this time. I probably don't need to recruit Manuela because I've got enough healers right now, but I kind of just lost my Dark Mage in Sylvain, so I needed a new one, so that's Hanneman. This is an annoying paralogue where uh, Manuela is by herself on a hill, and it takes a long time to get to her unless you have Pegasus units. So unless you have Pegasus units, she's got to get some luck on her side. And if you don't have that, um, a magic unit with rescue is also handy. I, I I think I would say this is my least favorite. I do not like this map. I feel like you have to either get really lucky or cheese it. Because there's, I think there's another paralogue here with Dudu on this map too. And it's just, it's not great. That one's okay because if like the unit and enemy places are at least designed with that in mind. This one is just either have a flying unit or a teleportation spell. That's all you, you can do. Either that or Manuela needs to get lucky. It's really annoying. Uh, after that, we have another paralogue where you really need a flying unit to really help you out because it's Sedeth and Flames paralogue. Oh, I loved this one. It is a nice paralogue, but half half of the map is an ocean is water so you kind of need flying units and again i'm glad that this playthrough i'm really stocking up on flying units because it makes these this map a lot easier i couldn't bring a couple of my horse units but annette and mercedes or mercedes had a really fun time on this map Uh, yes it takes place on a beach the left half is water right half is center is beach and right half is something you can walk on but it's a pain in the butt to get there have to beat a bunch of people who are taking over Seth, Seth's wife's grave, which is not cool. If you zoom in on the grave, though, you can see that the grave has the crest of, uh, I forget how to pronounce this, Seahole on it. Is it spelled with a C-I-H-O-L? C-I-C-H-O-L, I think. I thought it was key, It was either Keyhole or Chihole. I think it might be Keyhole. That sounds better. That sounds closer. Uh, I probably should have written down the enunciation of that one because that's a weird one. Yeah. Oh, well. uh, after we manage to protect the grave, Sedeth gives us some artifacts that, so the Western Church can't get them. 
Man, this Western church is a bunch of jerks, it seems like. Hmm. We should put them to death, which I did with my paralogue. Yay! Catherine Uh, and Ash. uh, One last thing from that one. We learn that Flane is Sedith's daughter, not his sister. What? I'm 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 stunned. Can't you, can't you tell how stunned I am? No. Take off take off the wig. No, it's pretty. All right. Uh, what's going on with Ash and Catherine? Well, to I actually don't have this written down, but I did remember it. But basically, it's a follow up to the Lord Lenato stuff. Yes, it's nice that we get a little bit of follow up to this one because I want to like Ash as a character, but we haven't really had enough of him. It seems the Lenato thing should be a much bigger deal than what I've seen in his support conversations. And his conversations with the Blue Lion Squad. But it's nice that we finally get a little bit more with this one. It make to flesh out his character just a little bit more. And this one's pretty interesting because we're going there to basically execute uh, more members of the Western Church who are responsible for the Lenato stuff in Chapter 6. But it's unique in the fact that Rhea will be there taking to the field. Yes, and it's also unique because I think this is like the second Fog of War map we have in this entire game. I kind of dominated this map because horses. I almost lost, uh, who was it? I almost lost Ingrid, oh no, I almost lost Felix. I think uh, he got ganged up on by mages and was like down like one HP. And it was like, they had like 54% chance to hit and he got attacked like four times. I I was just like, oh God, oh no, oh no, please don't. I know I'm doing Iron Man. Are you playing by any Iron Man rules? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. Coward. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Uh, not on this playthrough, but on another playthrough that I did, it may have it may have been uh, my accidental church playthrough, which I thought was the Golden Eagles, uh, or sorry, the Black Eagles, where I accidentally left Rhea open, and I was like, oh crap. And Rhea massacred this guy. She's up on the field and she has the sword of Saros. She has the shield of Saros. And I watched her double a guy like 54 times too. I was like, oh my god. Yeah, I think she can execute some people. She did not need us. Yeah. I I actually did have trouble on this map because it was my first time to play this map. So I didn't know where all the reinforcement spawns were. And Leone almost got her uh, face caved in with magic. Luckily, I got a very lucky miss, so Leone lived to tell the tale. Yeah, that was my Felix experience. <laughs> uh, but after we do this map, we get some shoes, which is a pretty nice deal. Just need to figure out who I'm going to give the shoes to, to increase movement. But Ash, at the end of the map, we find out that Ash got some papers, but he doesn't say what they are. And then he is, it's like, okay, Ash, are these papers some kind of revelation about your, oh, he ran away. Thanks, Ash. Like, Ash is near the bottom of characters I like because he won't tell us anything. But I guess I have to wait for Ace Sports or something. I don't know. Oh, well. It's the time for the ball. Up, oh, but before with the ball, if we talk to the gatekeeper, everyone's the best character in the game we can discuss who we hope to meet at the goddess tower. And I, it was a tough decision for me because Ash has been one of my best units and Dimitri has also been one of my best units, but I decided eh, I'll meet Dimitri at the goddess tower. I didn't know you could choose. Yeah. If you, if you talk to the gatekeeper, you choose who you meet with. 
Oh, mine's always been, I guess, the person that I have the highest support with. So my first playthrough was Dorothea. My second playthrough uh, is... I can't remember all who's what. I, I just remember the first time was Dorothea. A different playthrough is Petra. And this playthrough, it was Ingrid. All this tells me is that you do not talk to the gatekeeper enough. And I am ashamed of you. Oh, I know who the other person was. It was Lorenz. <laughs> <laughs> We have a nice little cutscene at the ball. We have Edelgard and Dimitri dancing with a bunch of no names. And we have Claude, who dances with us at the end. We have a conversation with Dimitri where he reveals that his stepmother never even told him that she was Edelgard's mom. Wait, is that right? Did I write that note down? Okay, I did write that note down right. Uh, We learned that. In a very cute still, we learned that Edelgard taught Dimitri how to dance and that she used to have brown hair. How did her hair turn white? I wonder how. Hmm. Uh, And we also learned that Dimitri gave Edelgard a dagger when she had to leave the kingdom because she'd kind of been kidnapped, question mark? They had been been exiled because there there was a noble uprising. I can't remember what character you hear this from. It may not even be in this path that you hear, but there was a noble uprising in which the nobles had stripped uh, the king of much of his power. And in that, Edelgard and Lord Arundel, basically, along with, I think, Patri- the the stepmother, uh, they left for the kingdom. It's a cute cutscene. We learn more about Edelgard and Dimitri. And afterwards, we get our goddess cuts, tower cutscenes. In my meeting with Dimitri, uh, Dimitri makes a wish that no one would ever again be unjustly taken from them. I do want to note something that uh, after that, Dimitri, like his voice changes and he seems more real, which was something that I actually noticed with everything up until up until my village is that he kind of feels like he's putting on a facade when he talks to you. But that's not that's not saying that Chris Hackney put in a bad performance at all. No, it's he put in a perfect performance. He did. It, it it was a character choice, and I get the character choice. How did how did your goddess tower cutscene go? Ingrid was like, "Oh man, this is so good." Apparently, she actually just snuck away to eat some food, and then we caught her in the goddess tower, and she was like, "Oh, uh, uh, uh are are you not suspicious that people might you know talk if they see us here by ourselves together?" <laughs> it was just funny because she was super she was super flustered about it after our chance meetings with our other significant other possibly we actually see Rhea and we decide to stalk her so this decides this is a good idea and we hear lady Rhea sing she sings a cute little lovely little song that so claims she wrote and that she even sung it to someone i wonder if there are any dots to connect there oh well a couple of days later it's time for our actual mission sadly the mission can't just be dancing Alois tells us that some demonic beasts got into the city and some students have been acting weird and went into a temple and demonic beasts walked out of that temple. Coincidence, I'm sure. Geralt tells us that he wants to tell us something important, but he'll probably have time to tell us later. No problem. Uh, We got ourselves a, a nice little map. All of our units at the south, in different corners of the map, we have four different monsters split the party. Just destroy them. No problem. Although I did discover something. One of my uh, units has a gambit called Impregnable Wall, in which you 
make it so that a unit can't can only take one damage, can only deal one damage. I tried giving this to Geralt to prevent him from killing some monsters, and it did not work on green units. Or maybe just Geralt. So that was weird. I never knew that. The map's pretty straightforward, and you have to rescue some other students that are just like, oh no, those dudes were once our friends. Yes, the, after the first time you kill one of the monsters, the monster turns into the body of a student. And everyone is a little off-put by this, but we quickly move on and destroy the rest of the monsters. We have a good time. We're going to go hang out with Gerald. He's going to tell us some secret. Oh, hey, Monica, what are you doing over there? Oh, thank God that she was safe, too. I mean, Monica, right? Yeah, one of my favorite characters. Hey, where'd you get that knife? And Gerald, turn around, turn around. Gerald oh. has been stabbed. Oh, wait, I have time travel powers. <laughs> well, no. I mean, it's it's Monica. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to let you stab my dad this time around. Super stretchy sword attack. Blocked. Yep. Bad guys somehow knew we were turning back time to try to prevent stuff from happening and stopped us. Well, crud. Dad's dead. Monica's gone. We've got some giant purpley lion face monster guy. And stuff's bad. Unfortunately, uh, my notes actually ended at the Sothis thing because I was playing this while halfway falling asleep. So, All right. Time to ruffle th- rush through the rest of my... I think I've got like 10 notes left. Speed through. Speed through note time. We cry. Geralt is sad. And yet he's happy. Thank you, kid. Why'd you call us a kid? Just say my name. Say Delilah. Uh, in the captain's quarters, we find Geralt's diary. Horsebow Moon. 11.59. Our mom dies in childbirth, according to Rhea. But we, the baby is not crying and there's no heartbeat. Why no, no heartbeat. No the heartbeat. Deli- the way he delivers that. Wyvern Moon. Gerald decides to take the child and run, but he's terrified of Rhea, so he fakes the child's death. And Rhea is not happy. After putting down the diary, we run into Dimitri, who tells us to grieve and that he's felt our pain. We learn in a conversation with Rhea that Geralt was once a soldier from the kingdom and that Rhea once saved him, and that's how he got recruited into being one of the knights. And Rhea's about to reveal who our mo- mom was and what she was to her. Rhea says that our mom was her... And then Alois runs in and interrupts the whole thing. And that's the end of the chapter. Oh, what a whirlwind of events. I do like this game, but man, it sure loves to give you the tease of like, we're about to reveal some important information. And yeah, no. And we might get back to it. We might not. Probably not. Deal with it. I have a B support with Rhea. I don't have any supports with Rhea. On my first playthrough, I did Golden Deer and I got... A support with Rhea, and I was actually trying to S support Rhea, but I didn't get the S support for some reason. I don't. I think you could only get the S support with Rhea on the church path, if I had to guess. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So that didn't happen for me, and I haven't tried to support Rhea ever since because you have to give her a lot of flowers and owl feathers, and I'm saving those because I've got students to save. We are. We're slowly making our way towards that time skip. We're through nine chapters. Um, next time we're going to go through chapters 10 through 12, which I think should be the time skip, if I remember correctly. If not, 10 through the time skip. Ten, yes, 10 through the time skip. It's time to turn these children into killer adults, ex- except for Sylvain and Annette who are going to die. 
As always, it's been fun talking with you, Ordo, talking about Fire Emblem. I look forward to next time. So, as always, you can follow us at Emblem Supports on Twitter, Plan Ordo, also on Twitter, and also on Twitter, KD Corley. With all that said, chapter complete.